Welcome to the RBT mini-series presented by the BT Focus podcast. As we walk you step-by-step through the second edition RBT task list on your path to certification and elevating your practice. Hello and welcome to a very special RBT mini-series edition of the BT Focus podcast. Today, we welcome on two guest hosts and familiar voices on the podcast, BT's Logan Worcester and Dan Jones. This is going to be something that we're going to be doing more of on the feed as we look to highlight and showcase as many behavior technician voices as possible, and they just do a phenomenal job. This was recorded right before Memorial Day, so for those of you listening now, I hope you had a really wonderful holiday, spent some great time with family. They had some really great barbecue as well. That's always a recipe for a great day. With that, enjoy today's episode. So, hi, Logan. Welcome to the BT Focus podcast. Um, you've been upgraded. We are now a guest host. Hi, Dan. Yeah, nice to be here. Enjoying the, the little promotion for the podcast. Um, we'll see how it goes without Brian here today. <laughs> how are you feeling are you feeling the power yep <laughs> <laughs> same here um when brian asked me to do this i was like oh okay brian handing over the reins right uh, we'll see how this goes <laughs> we're also gearing up for uh, memorial day weekend what are your plans i think we're just gonna do a, a little cookout um hopefully get some good food so that'll be fun do you have any plans uh, yeah, definitely hang by the pool in my apartment. Uh, but that's dependent with COVID-19. Um, you know, social distancing is still kind of a thing. So I'll probably go out like Monday morning at like 10 a.m. Like look out my window and be like, <laughs> no, there's too many people by the pool. I'm a, I'm a pass today. Right. Uh, may, maybe I'll go like at 10 o'clock at night when no one's there. No one's around. I know, but barbecue. Yeah, I'm go ahead. waiting for for my pool to open. I keep checking, but it's still closed. <laughs> so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm here in Texas, so the the heat is already upon us. Um, so I'm ready to get in the pool as well. Uh, but barbecuing sounds fun. Uh, what are you planning to eat? Uh, probably, you know, typical hot dogs, hamburgers, hopefully some corn on the cob. My mom makes a really good cheesecake. Almost every like family event, she brings cheesecake for dessert. So hopefully that will be there. Have to have my mom's cheesecake, no matter what the occasion is. Oh, completely. I'm a cheesecake fan as well, especially the crust. Mm-hmm. I could just <laughs> eat the crust. <laughs> they have a double crust cheesecake. I don't know if you've ever oh seen that. It's like crust on the top and the bottom. Uh, no, I have not seen that, but um, now that you mention it, I'll write it down. I'll definitely go <laughs> top this devil cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I have to try this. I remember as a kid, uh, I would take graham crackers, crush them up in a bowl, and then put butter, and then warm it up in the microwave just so I could get that kind of cheesecake <laughs> crust taste. <laughs> so <laughs> I might have been a weird kid. I might, I might have been deprived. <laughs> Okay, we'll go ahead and go on to what we're talking about today. So 
we're going to be covering a, a brief recap of B1. And this was back in March. We'll be looking at, well, they were looking at conducting a preference assessment. And we're just going to go through quickly what they had covered in that podcast. And then we're going to be finishing up that podcast with some test questions. And then we're going to be moving on to our next topic for today. And that's going to be assist with individualized assessment procedures. So just a quick recap of B1, and that was conducting a preference assessment. What are preference assessments? So they've identified them as tools used to systematically identify preferred stimuli that may function as reinforcers for clients. Also, when, when should we do a preference assessment? What do you think? So preference assessments are important to do frequently. Preferences change constantly. Clients can become satiated on certain toys or snacks, meaning, you know, they've had enough of it, they're sick of it at that point. So we want to do preference assessments anytime the client seems uninterested in the reinforcer we're providing. Also, preferences can change depending on what two items are in competition with each other. So for example, client may have a stuffed animal that's super preferred usually, but when a brand new iPad is presented, that stuffed animal may kind of, you know, get thrown to the side at that point. So I think it's really important to do them, especially daily and even like multiple times throughout a session to make sure we are providing something that is really preferred in that moment. Great answer, Logan. Um, I, I completely agree with you. My preferences change quite frequently. Um, and growing up, I had four brothers, one sister, and my mother really uh, didn't have the opportunity or the time to fix each of me and my brothers and sister our own individualized dinners. So essentially, it was like, all right, what we're having for dinner is what everyone's having for dinner. So if it's spaghetti, it's spaghetti. If it's a lasagna, it's a lasagna. <laughs> you really don't have um, this huge array of items. And that worked best for a big family. And so in this situation, I agree with you. What a great answer in terms of if a client is bored or if a client has an option between a stuffed animal or a new iPad. Uh, definitely preferences can change quite frequently. So. That brings us into types of preferences assessments. So they covered MSWOs, multiple stimulus without replacement. They covered MSWs, multiple stimulus with replacement, paired stimuluses, single stimuluses, and free operands. Then right at the end of that podcast back in March, they went to the preference assessment tree. So going back to those preference assessments, Logan, what is your favorite preference assessment and why? I think my favorite would be free operant just because it's really natural. You're kind of just letting the client come up to the different options within the natural environment, recording how long they're playing with each item for and determining which item is most preferred based off of that. So there's no really SDs or anything. They don't have to necessarily have those prerequisite skills of choosing between two items or up to six to eight items. It's just very naturally flowing. I agree with you. Um, it, free operant would have to be my favorite as well, um, just because I like a lot of choices. And specifically where I like a lot of choices is when I go to the 7-Eleven on my street corner 
<laughs> and I get to choose what type of candy I want. Now, of course, I always go with the same type of candy, which is um, Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> but, but I have the option to go with a different type of candy if I want. So, of course, if I wanted to go with like Rainbow Skittles that day, I could go with Rainbow Skittles. Uh, I usually go with Sour Patch Kids because humans, you know, we're creatures of habit. <laughs> but it's al it's always nice to have those other options available. Um, so free opera would have to be my favorite as well. Nice job, Logan. I like that answer. It's something um, that you can kind of just observe your client and it gives you this clear understanding of what your client is going to work for or what your client prefers. Um, so at the end of B1, the one thing that wasn't touched on was does a preferred item equal a reinforcer? What do you think? So that is an interesting topic. Um, it does not. I know I had my practicum group leader. This was like one of her biggest topics she would like to debate because a lot of times people will erroneously say like, oh, I did a preference assessment. I found three reinforcers the client likes. She's like, nope, that is not necessarily a reinforcer. Um, <laughs> they are potential reinforcers, preferred items, but I think a, a really good example to kind of clear up the distinction. So, um, for example, if you have a client who hates vegetables, but you present six vegetables for them to pick from, you can get a ranking on which vegetables they prefer more compared to the other ones. But if that client doesn't really like vegetables, they're still probably not going to function as reinforcers for that client. So... You may have what they prefer out of that rank order, but not necessarily what they are going to work for. Exactly. Very well said. And uh, this, again, reminds me of growing up. My mother gave me those choices mm -hmm. because it was convenient to fix one meal for everybody. And one of the things, if my mother is listening to this, I, I hope this doesn't offend her. But <laughs> one of the things that, that I just did not like growing up for food was my mother would take a piece of bread and she would put pasta sauce on it. And then she would put like cheese and she'd put pepperoni and then she'd put that in the oven. <clears throat> but the problem there was, is that because she was making so much of it, the pasta sauce would sit on the bread and make the bread really soggy. So I, I'm not sure if you know this or if you've had this before, but when you put soggy bread in the oven, it cooks differently. And sometimes it even still comes out like a little soggy feeling. So, oh my goodness, I did not prefer this, but I didn't really have an option. So I would have to eat it. So was it reinforcing for me? No, not at all, not at all. Was it preferred? Yeah, because I mean, I was hungry. I had to eat something, right. um, but it, it definitely did not act as a reinforcer. Uh, could you think of a, another example that you've had personally, specifically where something preferred just wasn't reinforcing? Let's see. Let me think. Uh, I put you on the spot here. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's okay. I think your vegetable example is great. I think so. Something for me personally. Um, well, let's say watching TV is definitely a preferred activity for me, but depending on like what behavior I'm trying to reinforce. For example, 
um, studying for the BCBA exam. I that is really effortful for me. So um, watching TV, although it's preferred, it may not work as a reinforcer for that particular behavior because it's just too much work for something that isn't necessarily going to reinforce that. So I might have to find an even more preferred activity or item that would actually reinforce that studying behavior. Oh, I completely agree. What a great example. Because sometimes with TV, you just turn it on for like the white noise. Right. Um, <laughs> or sometimes I'll get from parents, um, like my kiddo always has to watch TV while they eat their dinner. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that is definitely something that I'll mention to my supervising clinician and we can work on. And then I'll find myself coming home and cooking dinner and then turning <laughs> something on Netflix that I just, it's just, I'm not going to watch it. As soon as I finish dinner, I turn it off. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, uh, yeah, it wasn't reinforcing for me. I had just paired that with the reinforcing item of eating. So what a great example. Completely agree with you. So now let's move on to some test questions. So we get to go back and forth here. I get to ask you a test question. You get to ask me a test question. Um, so let's do it. I got the first question for you. So true or false? Following a preference assessment with your client, you identify a preferred reinforcer, which will remain as a constant reinforcer. That one I'm going to go with false. Like we said, preferences can change constantly. So what is preferred in one instance may not be preferred, you know, 20 minutes later. And again, those preference assessments where we don't necessarily have a reinforcer, we just have a potential item that could reinforce. Great answer. And one of the things that I love about true or false questions, and I always remember this, um, if you're a Star Wars fan, only the Sith deal in absolutes. So if you see an absolute in a true or false question, it's most likely false. If you see the words <laughs> always, constant, um, it's most likely going to be false. So good answer. You are correct, Logan. Awesome. All right, it's my turn. All right. Question number two. What type of preference assessment involves presenting two items at a time based on combinations written on the data sheet and assessing which items were chosen the most after all combinations have been presented? What are my options? Free operant, paired stimulus, MSWO, single stimulus, or MSW? This one would be a paired stimulus. It's because you're putting two items out each time for the client. And you want to make sure in this paired stimulus that you don't have a side bias. That is something that can you, you can easily be a victim of because you are presenting so many items at a time. And it could be a really long list. So you take two items, you put them out. You could be doing that 10 to 20 times for, for the combinations that you have written down. So it's important to make sure that in this paired stimulus, you don't have that side bias. But final answer, paired stimulus. Awesome. Yep, you are correct. And yeah, definitely okay. want to steer away from those side biases. Yeah, because sometimes you don't even know that you're doing it. Um, and usually what I see is if you're right dominant or left dominant, that's going to be your side bias. So definitely make sure that you're mixing up those items in between presenting them to the client in a paired uh, stimulus situation so that you don't fall victim to that side bias. All right, awesome. My turn again. So you have identified the items your client prefers. The client can choose between three or more items and does not have a side bias. 
though they do engage in hitting and screaming behavior when an item is removed. What type of preference assessment should you do? Here's your options. MSWO, free operant, MSW, paired stimulus, single stimulus. I'm gonna go with MSW for that one because we know the client can choose between multiple items without side bias. So we can do that multiple stimulus presentation. But since the client does engage in that maladaptive behavior when an item is completely removed, we're going to want to put that back into the array to try not to evoke that maladaptive behavior. Ding, 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 ding. You'd be <laughs> correct here. It's definitely an MSW. And yeah, we want to avoid that maladaptive behavior of hitting and screaming if we can. So if we know that that particular reinforcing item is something that elicits that maladaptive behavior, we want to put it back into the options. So good answer there. All right. So that brings us to the end of B1, and we're moving on to B2, which is going to be assist with individualized assessment procedures. Thank you for listening to today's episode and phenomenal job, Dan and Logan. You two might be sending me into an early retirement. So thank you for being such masters of the content and your experiences are incredible. So as a reminder, we are about to kick off the Dan in the Life series. So for those of you behavior technicians who are listening, we want to hear from you. We want to tell your stories. If you're interested in collaborating, Email us at btfocus at centuriahealthcare.com and I look forward to those conversations. Until next time.